an estate, but you might have other heirs or you need to verify if there's other people out there who might be due a portion of the estate, whether you're a realtor or an investor wholesaler who finds this for the family or the petitioner or an attorney, there's services that will find those errors for you. I'm really lucky to have here today one that I'm working with on a case currently, and I've interviewed in the past uh, a friend of our program, Michael Zwick. Michael, thank you so much for coming to our program today. Glad to be here, Bill. So real quick, you're located in Orlando, Florida. Correct, but our it company is national. Your company is national, and the company is Inherit More LLC, correct? So we actually have two companies, um, Assets International, which is our parent company, um, does the service that you mentioned, which is to find the owners of assets. Uh, three years ago, though, we created a subsidiary called Inherit More, which you referenced. Inherit More reverses that process where we help heirs or executors to track down the assets, uh, the inheritance assets, that the deceased left behind that they can't find or can't get their hands on. Very nice. So again, the distinction being, Assets International, what? They, they locate assets and then find the errors of those assets? Correct. And then the inherit more is the opposite. There's a, an, a particular case that you're looking for the errors to find uh, that go to that, to that asset. Right. So an example uh, in the first scenario, finding the errors is the one you mentioned that uh, we, we're working on together where there's a house where the owner has passed away and uh, you... Oops, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, I, I muted you by accident. I'm sorry, Mike, I muted you by accident. I hit the wrong person. I'm back. Yeah, I oh, saw yeah, that. So anyways, uh, in terms of the first, the first scenario, a case like the one we're working on where you've identified a house uh you want to you want to find the if i may divulge the basics of it without getting the details obviously uh you want to get find the heirs to the owner who has passed away so you can hopefully um you know buy the property or sell it for them whatever the case may be i'm not sure exactly what you want to do but that's that's your end uh so right now we are endeavoring to find those heirs and when we find them they're probably not aware that they, there's this house there that is worth probably a considerable amount of money that uh, they will be entitled to the um, equity that comes out of it. Uh, on the reverse situation, we have cases where someone might call us and say, you know, my uncle or father or whoever passed away, and I don't know what assets he owned. I, I you know, really don't know anything about his finances. I've got a busy life. Can you find his assets for me? So what we'll do is we'll do investigation. We'll see whatever assets we can find. And then we'll also do the legwork to get those assets into the heir's hands. Got it. So the case I have um, is one where we know of a couple heirs, but there might be more. So you're kind of really doing a little bit of both. We have two particular heirs we've identified and your job is to reach out to them and let them know there's some assets. They might be uh, get, get that. And then do you charge a fee for your service or how do you how do you make that work for you? Is it business? In both cases, we charge a percentage. So we get a um, percentage of whatever the heirs are receiving, whether it's because we found the mastery of the assets or uh they they hire us they know okay whatever assets we find we will we'll get a percentage of the value so they know Fred, there's going to be a percentage but on the other hand if you're bringing them assets they're not aware of they should be thrilled to hear from you right right plus if we wind up coming up empty then they don't owe anything oh, so there's no cost there's no cost so you have to have a case where you feel like there's something worth pursuing otherwise you're wasting your time right so when we're looking for errors uh yeah typically we want to know what is the value of the asset or assets that are out there 
before we go hunting down. We don't want to, you know, frankly, uh, spend all our time to find someone to get them a thousand dollars. It's just not worth our while with our cost of business. Um, on the flip side, if if we're doing an asset search on behalf of the heirs, we will uh, we'll we'll do an interview and we'll get determine what we can about the deceased. You know, what he or she did for a living, how old um basic idea of what that who that person was so we get an idea of whether it's worth it and sometimes we strike out and sometimes we strike gold so can you share kind of what some of the common scenarios look like what are the common assets you find and and how much dollar amount are you are you recovering for a typical customer um uh, so we don't really have a are you talking about for the finding inheritance assets sure so in that case, uh, we don't necessarily have a typical case, but usually it, we're when we're looking, it's it's we're pretty hopeful or confident we're going to find at least something into the high five figures, if not into the six figures. Uh, usually, when they get into seven figures, it tends to be that the people were a little more organized in terms of telling people what they owned before they passed away. So you know, recent case we had. Uh, our client lives in Las Vegas. He's the son and sole heir of the deceased who worked in an administrative position for the Maryland State Police. So we weren't able, the only asset we were able to find was a um, her pension from the, from the state police. She worked there for a number of years, obviously being in government position, she got a pension. So she got $100,000 that are waiting for, plus the son is going to get a monthly uh, payout for the rest of his life. Nice. So, and he's only in his forties. So that's, we're looking at a pretty decent amount of money by the time all is said and done. Um, I see someone has asked for my contact information. Um, I can uh, put my email in there. And also I'm a very easily to find, easy to find on LinkedIn. That's actually, I have Bill and I connected and I'm very active on there. Uh, but my, I'll put my, my primary email into the chat right now. So you'll have it. There's his uh, LinkedIn profile. It's just LinkedIn.com. His profile is Michael Zwick, Z-W-I-C-K. And then yeah, the assetsinheritmore.com is a website. Right. That's one. And the other one is assetsinternational.com. Assetsinternational is the other one. Yeah. So, uh, and we'll put those in the chat box as well. And uh, feel free, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me a connection request. And uh, yeah, I'll love to uh, connect with anybody who, who can, you know, use my help, whether they're hiring me or just need a sounding board or advice for something. So what, if you were to describe your business, what percentage would you say is, um, uh, are you getting approached by uh, families or, you know, prospective heirs? What percentage of the time are you approached by uh, attorneys where there's a state being put together? I mean, what percentage by realtors, investors, or other kind of professionals? Usually it's more the family or the executor either they've been referred to me by the attorney or someone who knows knows me or has worked with me or the attorney themselves it's usually more from inside the estates where uh, it's the family um but um this is usually like the executor or heir or the prospective executor or their attorney okay and um so that most common scenario is somebody already knows who you are. That's why we have you on the call today, that those of us who work in this field, we know somebody who's looking for heirs. There are times when heirs um, aren't available, or you find one, let's say, uh, and, and yet the court's wondering, are there more, right? You might find a son or cousin or something. Do you offer um, 
any kind of documentation to the court to say that you, you know, gave it your reasonable effort, your professional effort, and to the best of your knowledge, there are no more errors? Is that something that you provide as part of your service? So typically we will, uh, normally when, when someone files for probate, they are signing under penalty of perjury. Uh, and, and one of the things they're signing is saying, these are who the heirs are with the implication that there are no other heirs, the exclusion of those on the list. So uh, some courts uh, are some more stricter than others. Uh, I can tell you in New York City, it is very, it can be very difficult because they want you to prove a negative. Someone can come forward and say, I'm the decedent's um, son. And they'll say, well, prove to us that the decedent didn't have any other children. Well, it's kind of hard to prove to prove that negative. Uh, whereas other most other courts, though, if someone is signing on the penalty of perjury and saying, these are the errors and to exclusion of everybody else, the courts will usually accept that. Um, you know, sometimes they will want, uh, some courts will ask for a statement by a disinterested person, someone who's not going to benefit from the estate, uh, saying that these facts are true. Uh, some courts, you know, especially if it's later on where the money, the probate's already gone through, and then someone comes forward and says, hey, I'm an heir, then at that point, they might want a um, some sort of uh, statement or affidavit from a, a genealogist who will, who has no interest in the matter again to say, yeah, th these, this is the family tree and these are the only people in the family tree. And do you do, you do that? Do you provide those kind of statements? We do, or we, 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 we might bring in someone because if, if we're getting a fee, then we're no longer a disinterested party. Got so it. we will, we'll typically bring in somebody else. Uh, we have some really good genealogists that we work with that are outside contractors that sometimes will handle some of our overflow work or really in-depth work that might be beyond what my staff has the time or ability to handle. So we usually do that. So case we're working on, I have somebody who's able to identify two relatives. Um, I think in this case, their niece and nephew. So no immediate family. We, we know there is no spouse. We know there are no children. The question is, are there more siblings that might've had more kids? Right. My contact has no idea. Right. Um, you know, you're going to get, you're going to bring the assets to at least the two that we've identified so far. Are you right. looking for more heirs? Do you, or do so, you but before, before, uh, we, um, you know, we're, we're, we just actually just this afternoon ordered the death certificate. So hopefully we'll get it in the next week or two. Uh, once we get that, I think it shouldn't take more, uh, than a few hours of research at most to determine whether there are any other errors. Uh, so we just want to, um, we, we like to, you know, unless you tell me the time is of the essence, we'd like to kind of take our time and build step by step before mm -hmm. we were. So we know partly because if we approach uh, these two heirs, they're going to want to know, okay, what's my share of it? And we don't want to, we don't want to overpromise and say, oh, you're getting 50% of this amount when it turns out there are seven other heirs, in which case they're each only getting one ninth. Correct. So, so again, I'm holding you on this case, just to understand in general then. So you're generally going to check and see and have a degree of confidence. Like in this case, maybe there are no other errors, or maybe you'll discover there are, but at that point you have a fair level of confidence, but you, you know, um, and then so you approach those two. Will you, if you discover other errors, will you also reach out to them or are you going to let that be? 
we, we, we would, we would probably reach out to them. Um, and, and obviously we'd want them to sign with us so that each one of them, when they get their inheritance would, would give us a fee. Right. But I can see the challenge there is if there's only two and you have both of them signed up for you to find a third who doesn't sign up with you would be, you know, work against you financially that then the challenge is where do you have a conflict of interest? So I can see the potential there. Right. So, I mean, there are other ways around it where we, work out an agreement with whoever's the executor there are there are some ways around especially where there are a large there's a large number of heirs and it's just not really practical to sign them all but um you know we'll do whatever we can so i've seen i've seen cases like that where maybe it was a half million dollars and there might be 10 15 different heirs at what point does it stop being productive for you so you know we look at it as a the amounts that we are going to charge charge or make on a gross revenue basis per error because you know we have to spend the time to go out and get that each sign each person to a contract so um typically in most cases we're generally working with one person hopefully who can kind of coordinate and be our point person the rest of the family Right. Uh, that's that's ideally uh, obviously the most ideal case is where there's only one error <laughs> and then we only have one person decided it's as easy we have those cases where uh someone passes away and and there literally is only one error you know a child grandchild whatever the case might be so on this call and look uh, for the rest of you in the call uh it's meant to be participative so feel free to put questions in the chat box raise your hand come in live love to have you ask questions love to make it as participative as possible. I think that's going to get us the best um, um, the best uh, uh, learning. Uh, I do this because I need to learn. I appreciate Michael's time and sharing with us today so I can be better at my craft and maybe bring him more business as well. So I'm glad to do both. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn, I see Mendel. Uh, nice to see you as well. Um, feel free to ask questions there as well, and we'll pick up the questions off the live stream. So. Um, uh, Michael, I, you mentioned that your business usually comes down to uh, an attorney. Maybe it's a family member. I guess you do some some uh, marketing of some sort, or, or they're 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 going to go to an attorney. Do you know somebody? They're going to come to you. So obviously, I'm I'm sure that building attorney relationships is a important piece of your business. Share because a lot of people on our call are real estate agents who are looking to build similar relationships in parallel with you, or maybe could work with you. Um, and I'm sure you work with some real estate agents that are good, some that are not so good. What are some tips, if any, would you give to a real estate agent who's looking to build a business and earn more referrals or deepen the relationship with attorneys? What What are some tips that you might recommend to them for their business? Um, build relate. I mean, it's all about really building the relationship. It's not about selling. Um, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, I post pretty much every weekday. I try not to be salesy. Uh, I I will tell you when I first started doing it, I was I said okay, I'm going to do a video every day, like a minute or so. I was awful. <laughs> I was I was very stiff. I was reading from a script, uh, and a friend of mine said, "Michael, you got to stop doing this. Just, just talk. Don't use a script. Have a basically what you're going to say, and just talk. Be expressive. Pretend you're talking to me sitting across the table from you, and then that's what I would do." Uh, and then I switched over more to doing written ones, but I still kind of kept my voice there. And uh, it, it's kind of my, I, I think I'm a pretty funny guy. I'm dealing obviously with, with matters of death. <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> thank, thank you, one of my kids. Um, uh, so I try to, um, you know, inject some humor into it, especially because, you know, I'm dealing with stuff to do with the people's death. Um, I try to get something that gets someone's interest. And then I'm, I, I will mention what I do, but it's not always, here's what I do, here's what I do, because frankly, you don't want to hear that. The way I looked at it is LinkedIn is like a real life, is like a virtual, nonstop, massive networking event. You would never go into a networking event and say, hey, uh, Michael, here's what I do, hire me. Uh, you won't get much business out of that. Uh, same thing. And actually, have, um, also go to a, events where your people are. So for example, like I said, I'm here in Orlando in two weeks is the Heckerling Institute uh, conference. It's over 3,000 professionals in the estate planning world. Um, it's originally really for an educational thing for estate planning attorneys, but it's become a massive networking event. And uh, for me, I'm going, uh, don't tell them. I'm not registering. A lot of people just show up. They go. They, they just do the networking. It's nonstop from apparently morning. Sometimes people say till late at night. I've told my wife, don't expect to see me much that week other than to come home to sleep. Um, it's really just about building relationships, not being salesy, uh, just building relationship. Obviously, you want them to know what you do, um, but people do business with people. People don't do business with companies. So they want to do business with people they like, people they trust, and they want to feel like they're always being put upon. And that's kind of my general advice to people about networking. That's great. Uh, and you mentioned the hackling event. I'd, I'd love to go. We have some personal issues going on. But uh, so if, the, if I was in the East Coast, it wasn't such a big uh, travel, I would definitely go. Talk a little bit. So that's on the relationships. And mostly your relationships then are with professionals, estate planning attorneys and probate mm -hmm. attorneys. Talk a bit about, at the same time, you get phone calls from families. I imagine that you have families that call you and maybe they could do something right away, but they don't do anything for a period of time. Maybe whatever reasons, we all get busy. How do you, um, it's hard to build a relationship uh, with all those people and over such a period of time. What do you do to stay in touch with, I would call them prospects or prospective customers. What do you do to stay in touch with those people over a period of time so that if they don't do business with you right away, but when they're back on the horse six months from now, they're going to call you and 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 you know complete the transaction with you. So we have a a, a CRM. It's actually uh, it's an access uh, database that we have built and kind of added onto over the years. Uh, so whenever I do get a like, well, prospect or a lead, I'll create a file for that person, and then put a tickler, then put a schedule it for you know have my notes. Uh, we are going back to the founding of Assets International 21 years ago, we are anal compulsive about keeping notes on, um, you know, phone calls. Even if I call someone and I call, you know, call call you and leave you a voicemail message, Bill, not that we have a file for you, but if we did, I would say, you know, it would say in there, you know, December, was it 29th, December 29th, the, 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 the thing would actually timestamp it for me. So I just have to write MJZ, which is my initial writes left voicemail message for bill gross at so-and-so phone number um so this way i have a record of it every email gets copied and pasted into it so and i can schedule that saying okay i left him a voicemail i'm going to schedule for a month out if i don't hear from him between now and then uh so it's so it's in there um i can't tell you what the cost is of a starting a crm because frankly that's uh that's more tech stuff that my partner handles and it's a database that we built ourselves and keep tinkering with. And every so often we look into switching over to 
uh, one of those like Salesforce or one of those ones, but what we have works. So we just, we keep on doing it. Um, uh, but I'd say invest in some sort of system, even if it is, um, you know, using various Outlook tools. Uh, Outlook, Outlook does have access that you can create a database in, you know, using your calendar. I'm very big. If I, whatever is not in my Outlook in that uh, access database, if I have to do is time sensitive, it's on my Outlook calendar. As my wife will tell you, I will forget. Uh, even if it's just, I have a letter in my calendar, uh, days I have to drive carpool, um, partly so it blocks off my calendar because I have a links to my Calendly link for people to schedule things, but also it's just my reminder of don't schedule things on these days at these times. Well, there's a lot to unpack and I appreciate the detail. And so I think that's the common um, uh, response, which is you need some sort of technical tool to stay in touch with the multitude of prospective consumers Yes. Uh, and then the the um, relationships are the ones who refer in that business or or help get you in those positions. So I, I really appreciate you um, anchoring that. Uh, I'm sure along the way you deal with real estate agents, investors, even attorneys, some that are top of the game and some that are not. What do you see as a person who works with them behind the scenes? What do you see as the common traits of those that are more successful versus those that are struggling with their business? Um, I think one, a big, big factor in pretty much every profession is keeping open communications with your, with your clients, with your people. Um, it's just, if you don't, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure, you're setting yourself for your clients, just not wanting, or other people want not, not wanting to deal with you. Um, I know, you know, professionals who just never reach on phone calls and I, don't get how they how they survive in business. Um, I would say going back to also hang, you know, get connecting with probate attorneys in specific. I will tell you that as and I hope I don't know if there are any on the call uh, here, but I will tell you that um, and there obviously are exceptions, but most probate attorneys are know are not super active on LinkedIn or any social media. They tend to they they're they it tends to be a an industry that that. Um, brings in more old school thinking of uh, that you don't see too many big probate practices. They're not very big on social media. Uh, those that are do pretty well. Um, I'll tell you in terms of the realtors I see, for example, LinkedIn, and this goes back to us saying about not being salesy is, is the ones who succeed uh, in building relationships are the ones who are out there regularly posting and are engaging on not just a, a sales thing and not just putting up a an e-flyer or a nice little motivational quote um you know as you can see i don't i'm when i go to events whatever i will be wearing probably a jacket and you know at least a suit jacket or a sport jacket but i'm known as as in addition to what i do guy who wears college t-shirts i collect them <clears throat> so that's part of my persona uh, I'm not putting up any sort of professional logos on my thing. I have some pretty unprofessional uh, pictures I take with my camera, with my cell phone. And it's just about being yourself. Again, it goes back to what I was saying before, just be be yourself, and but also be, in relation to this question, be competent in what you do. Oh, for sure. That's, that's good advice. You know, it's interesting. As a real estate agent, I see other realtors post, you know, their listings sell. And I was like, wow, I just sold that listing. Maybe I should post it. Maybe I should do that. And I think, no, I, I can't really stand it when other people do that in a group I'm involved with. I don't care they sold a listing. I imagine 
they sell their listings at some point. Um, it's not really that uh, exciting. Now, team members are different. I'm happy for them. But I think in general, as real estate agents, we always have to think what value we're we creating for our prospect. What value are we creating for the people we do with and what information would they like? And I, I know when I follow you, parts educational and part is just entertainment. I mean, you're you're genuine, you're you. Um, and so talk a little bit about your, your branding or your approach on LinkedIn. I would say um, I look at LinkedIn as normally being more buttoned down and more straight, uh, for at least the, the way I approach it, more straight education and valuable information. And I see um, you do posts regularly that are more you know, branded and more um, uh, fun and more engaging with you personally. So talk about your strategy a little bit on your social media, if you would. So, you know, you are right. Link, LinkedIn used to be very dry. LinkedIn for me, especially until a few years ago, is really, I treat it as my virtual Rolodex. I treat it as my way to keep in touch with people, uh, you know, friends from college. If I was wondering, hey, what's my friend Josh up to these days? I could go to his profile and see, oh, he's now at, at so-and-so law firm or whatever, as opposed to where he was five years before. Um, part of it is because with Assets International, um, you know, there wasn't as much marketing involved because a lot of the, a good deal of our work in that, in that regard is we get a lot of lists from government agencies to, regarding money that they're sitting on. So we will uh, deal with that. So <clears throat> there wasn't as much of a return on investment. Excuse me. There wasn't as much return on, of investment on marketing as we launched Inherit More, where we find the inheritance assets. And it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, a very, uh different i think we're really the only ones doing it um we had to really get out there and get let people know we're there so i've been very active on it for the last two and a half years since we launched the since we launched in hair more and like i said it's about developing your own persona but but don't create a persona just be your persona be be who you already are uh don't you know there's the old saying of uh don't be anyone else because those spots are already taken <laughs> be you and um some of those su successful people that I know on LinkedIn in terms of <clears throat> their popularity, in terms of their, um, in terms of referrals they're getting, it's really just them being themselves again, being entertaining, being thought provoking, you know, letting people know what they do, but not in a very in your face manner. Um, I, you know, <clears throat> it's creating certain things like, for example, on Mondays, I started a thing called Movie Monday, where every Monday I, I every I'm posting, I take a movie and I try to tie it to something to do with probate or inheritance. So recently, I think I did Die Hard because you know everybody thinks of it as the great Christmas movie. I think of it as, as the all-time Hanukkah movie, but that's a different story. Um, but anyways, I get into okay, what ha would have happened if John McClane had died that night? What assets would he have left behind? And I talked about the fact that he would have left behind probably a pretty sizable pension with the New York City police. He probably, being the type of guy he was, he probably didn't take much sicker vacation time. And, you know, people don't realize is that a lot of government employees or union employees get to keep banking the monetary value of their vacation and uh, sick time. We had a case, actually, a real life case a few years ago where a Cleveland, Ohio uh, police officer died. And we found that he had $100,000 in the bank of unused vacation and sick time that his widow got to inherit. So I turned that into a, into a post. Wow. Um, 
you know, I also say in LinkedIn, you know, you always want that, you want that call to action. You want, because you want a conversation going. The more conversation on your post, the more likes on your post, the the more other people are going to see it, not just your connections, but your connections, connections. And so you want, even if even if the, the, the question at the end has nothing to do with what you do, um, you know, so I did you know, during summer, I did most all holiday movies as my the Monday movie, movie Monday. So one of them was just simply, what's your favorite holiday movie? And whenever someone would respond, I always make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, to then respond with my own comment, preferably a question to keep the conversation going. Right. Um, sometimes having those conversations in direct message and having, having, um, you know, conversations again is about having conversation about letting people know who you are and helping, you know, helping that also be, I would say, be a resource. Um, Bill, I'm, I think you're a member of, there's a Facebook group uh, called Probate Support and Help that I'm in. Um, it's got over 2000 users. I would recommend anybody who uh, wants to get in there. It's, it's, you have a number of people who are there who are dealing with probate mostly for the first time and have questions on what to do. And I've gotten very little business out of it directly. But what I do is I make people know who I am. I let them know that I've been in the asset recovery business for 20 years. And I know a lot of attorneys around the country. So one of the things I'm doing is I am sending, I get referrals. People will say to me, I'm lost. I go, where are you located? I'll say Jackson, Mississippi. I go, here's, here's someone in Jackson, Mississippi. Here's an attorney to refer to. Now I've helped that person out. I probably won't get anything for them, but now I've made that goodwill with that attorney in Jackson. Besides the fact that the inherent goodness of helping someone out, I've now had a reason to call that attorney in Jackson, Mississippi and get on his or her radar and hopefully get on their goodwill. Uh, I see someone ask this. I think, let me look up to make sure I've got it right. Because is it, I wouldn't pronounce it, Angie uh, has asked and what the name of the group is. I just want to make sure I'm getting it correctly. Probate it's Support called, and Help. I just it's called Probate Support and Help, yes. I signed up for it to join in my membership <laughs> pending because I, it sounds right on point. And I, um, <clears throat> sounds like right up the alley of the kind of things that I do. Now, yeah. I have my own probate group called Probate Experts. And we do get people there who come mm -hmm. in and ask for questions for help. Um, but that's the group you're talking about right there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, someone has a Linda McCarthy uh, wanted to say something. Yeah, you know, uh, I would say, if, Linda, I'd be glad to give me an idea of your question in the in the chat box. I'd be glad to. Yeah, uh, well, well, I say if I can, I see Emmanuel uh, asked, um, is a way customers find inheritance of family members for proof possession of property if someone passes away? Um, so it's not just a matter of, it's a matter of finding the assets and then also doing all the legwork. Uh, one of the reasons we started the company, um, the, the Inherit More of Finding Assets, um, if I can kind of go back, was a lot of our clients for Assets International tend to be one-off, they tend to be individuals or small businesses, but we have some very large, uh, both nonprofit and for-profit clients. Um, and one of those large nonprofit clients, the American Heart Association, got a letter from the probate court in Columbus, Ohio, a few years ago and said, that's the, that said, some woman died and left her entire state to the AHA and they knew nothing about her. They didn't do an estate plan with her. So they asked us to find her assets. And um, so so we realized this is a common situation where someone dies and the heirs just don't even know what assets are out there. Um, 
Um, and one of the things we brought to the table, in addition to kind of from dealing with unclaimed property all these years of knowing where unclaimed assets tend to go to, um, is that we also know how to deal with it. Our, my staff has been with me for years, and we know how to deal with, with all of the uh, bureaucracy that comes with dealing with banks and insurance companies. We know how, how to find those shortcuts. And dealing with bureaucracy, dealing with red tape is, um, there's, there's, there's an art to it that I have an excellent staff has really learned over the years how to deal with it. And our clients, usually people who are executors tend to be the, the children of the deceased. And most of the deceased usually tending to be in their 70s or 80s, those children tend to be 30s, 40s, 50s, they've got jobs, they've got uh, busy lives, they've got children, and they've also got the stress and the, the grieving of having lost a loved one. So one of the things we're providing them is let us take that off your plate. Let us deal with the rest of your life, deal with your, your grieving, deal with your job, deal with your family, let us deal with that for you. Um, so just kind of real quick here, one of the things that happens, especially during this time of year as we get people in who have fun kind of playing with our uh, Zoom call. So uh, if I don't have your name registered in our system, um, and you have a question, put the question in the chat box. And if it's relevant, I'd be glad to to if, you know, to bring you in. If I recognize you as one thing, if, as a regular, but somebody who's new or using some sort of fake name, uh, I, I'm just sorry, we just really can't continue to have people come. And I, I apologize for stepping on your toes there. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. I've, I've been doing this a while and it's, and, I, and especially this time of year, people out of school. And so it's kind of a fun thing for kids to jump in. And uh, so anyhow, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, keep it there. So again, uh, if you have your hand up, be glad to uh, offer a question, but uh, like Libs, feel free to pre question the chat box if appropriate, we'll bring it. Otherwise we'll just have to ask you to be removed. Um, okay, so again, this participative. So those of you who register, I have your name, I know who you are, you've been here before. Um, I don't know about you, I could talk to Michael all day long. I would love to go to Orlando, really just to meet with him and have a beer and talk even more and hear stories about what he does. Because a couple of things, I think sometimes realtors say to me, what does that have to do with me getting listings to sell houses? And the answer is, to where I look at it, he's helping people you can help people by bringing him in to help your people, right? You may not know anything about finding heirs, but you can help an estate find heirs by introducing Michael and his company and service to the people you're gonna work with. And that's one more tool in your toolbox. Every realtor asks me, how do you get more attorney referrals? Well, one is be more valuable to the attorneys you work with. How do you do that if you're new? Well, you've met Michael, he's a nationally renowned uh, uh, expert in the subject of finding errors. And there are times that attorneys need to find errors, find more errors, certify there's no others, whatever it may be. That's the purpose of the call. So if you have questions, I'd love to bring you into the process and the discussion. And um, really, um, we're having some, some Zoom is like a crazy yeah. world. A crazy I, I, I actually, I actually cl uh, closed the chat because frankly, it was getting a little too distracting. Yeah, I would say, unless you have a stout stomach, I would say it's it's time to um, to close the chat box for most of you guys. It's really going to be um, uh, we just really don't want that kind of language. So yes, anyhow, uh, anyway, well, you know, what you said, Bill, by the way, is you know kind of like what I was saying before about creating value for the for the attorneys by directing clients to them. Um, I can you know I, I can send you know clients to attorneys across the country. And then I've created value 
for those for those people and also the the, the clients themselves the people who are the heirs the potential executors might remember that and say oh I need him to find those assets that are out there that I don't know about I mean again this is a regular part of the job and I've been in court when judges ask questions when the estate is ready to close something out and they'll say are you sure there are no more errors and and you know how does what how is an attorney going to answer that well they may not may or may not have an answer but one answer could be we contracted uh you know inherit more we we uh, contracted in the industry expert or industry expert in the subject they did an exhaustive search here's the notes that we have we don't have anything else to offer and the judge will at least realize and it's on record that they made a certain effort to do that so again that's the purpose of this is to give you that extra tool to share you might just share Michael's posts in your social media you know what again if you're new you don't have maybe the content to share he's already writing the content he would love you to share his material with your audience of attorneys and prospective families so that's the purpose of why we have him in here so I really appreciate right. that yeah well yeah I, I would again say when I my posts uh, again they're a video but you know they were they were awful in the beginning I I, I don't even want to go back and watch them because they're so bad um but and I and when I started on LinkedIn you know how many how many connections I had zero now I have 12,000 or so yeah. um we all start with zero um you know don't get caught up in also in how many followers how many comments are like somebody else has um you know one of the things I would say to both question LinkedIn and to just in in, quote, in real life is you know especially if you're starting out is, is find that niche and um you know there's the old saying riches are in the niches and there are people who have that one thing like, like I know some attorneys who all they do is is gun right gun gun cases of dealing with uh you know gun rights of transferring gun ownership to trusts and stuff like that uh the, you know realtors some some realtors might uh only specialize in a particular as you know Bill particular type of category when we sold our house in in Michigan a few years ago before we moved down here we went with a realtor who in our one square mile uh city that we live in a suburb of Detroit there is a a team two women who are realtors who are they kind of own that one city they don't work much outside of Huntington Woods the city we lived in but they own Huntington Woods and they they know everybody who's 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 buying and selling and we're like you know what we're going with that because this is their this is their wheelhouse right. if I lived two miles away I never I would use somebody else right. but because and, and they've made a very nice living for themselves yeah I mean I'm in LA County which is the large probate market and frankly my niche is even more niche it's probate but even more is LA County court confirmation sales is my particular niche as a salesperson. I have a team of agents around the country that I'm building, but in terms of my practice with attorneys, I, I believe I'm the expert on specifically those probates that need court confirmation. And and you know, where does Michael come in? Like I said, I've been in court where the judge says, Are you sure there's no other errors? They're going to ask, What efforts did you make? And sometimes attorneys will say, We did certain searches. Sometimes they'll say, We hired a company. And obviously, a judge is going to be more favorable the more work you do and the more you can document of what you did attempt to come up with. Um, so that's why it's so important to do that. Okay. Yeah um so I see um, I, I would add one thing and this is not necessarily a plug for my company because we we are somewhat selective when it comes to finding errors about who we take on and and there are, we I will sometimes refer it out to 
like I said, to an outside company uh, that, and we will not get any referral for anything like that, is that when you're searching for errors, when it comes to research, uh, you get what you pay for or what somebody else is paying for. When we're when we, when someone brings us into find the errors, we're getting paid by the errors. But if it's uh, if it's a thing where the company is just getting paid a flat fee, what dollar amount is, they're going to have some. Uh, they're going to know what they're doing. Whereas looking on, say, Google or uh, you know whatever free site, you, you know you, you get what's paid for in terms of the uh, the, the results. Um, my guess is that if you were to look for me, you would see my address, my residential address is probably going to be the one in Michigan that I haven't lived in in two years. Uh, so, but if you use some of these proprietary databases that my company or other finders, you, you know, pay a good amount of money to use, you'll see, I now live at a particular address in Orlando where I live. Okay, the chat box continues to be a mess, so I'm going to close the chat box to anybody else. If I if I have if you put your camera on, I recognize you. Raise your hand. I don't see any other questions uh, at this point. We, oh, uh, Stuart Taylor, love to bring you. Let's get you unmuted and come on in. Let's get. Uh, get yeah, I was just curious. I have a friend who's a CPA, and he seems to travel all over the country as a um, a court appointed executor. Uh, and I wondered if you came across that function in life, um, because there seems to be an organization and they meet quite regularly just to discuss the good points and the bad points of being an executive. Yeah. Uh, so where do you, where do you, I don't think we've met before, have we? No, we haven't. Um, I, I'm just living in Newport Beach at the moment, but we've been living up in, uh, in Menlo Park in Northern California. Right. So, um, so there, I, I, might need, and maybe there might be a little confusion. There, there are two categories here. I think you're talking about. one is the court appointed uh, executive. Those tend to be local people who are usually on an approved list. That the, that in some in some courts, if someone dies either without heirs <clears throat> or there's nobody who will step forward, or there's too much fight fighting the family, the court will appoint an attorney. And in some courts, there is a they're part of the court staff, like an independent branch of the court that the and they. Uh, they that they, they just get a salary, but then in some courts there are private practice attorneys who are an approved list to be an attorney. There are also are called professional executors the family can hire and pay. So that's something that banks, uh, some banks or trust companies tend to do. But uh, um, the, the the issue with that is, is typically now banks only want to handle estates that are worth at least five to ten million dollars. And so there are those professional executors who will get hired by the family. It could be anywhere in the country um, to be a professional executor and get paid either an hourly fee or um, some, in some states, they just get a percentage of whatever the, the gross value of the estate is. Um, so that, that is something I'm familiar with. It is something I've kind of in the back of my head thing that said, you know, might, might add that to my, to my uh, suite of services at some point of being a professional executor um i just haven't you know fortunately i've been busy enough i haven't had time to develop that right good i can say i got ad, asked to be one uh on a case where there's an attorney i work with uh they uh there's particular reasons i want to go into as to why they asked me they said we need somebody to step in and be the executor I, the, the the bottom line is if somebody else steps forward i would have to step aside but i could still sell the property and get paid that way so they said it'll put you in line to sell the property either way um, right. You can't really do both, 
but you can do one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I'd be glad to step in and, and uh, do that. So I'm actually um, in California, I think if you do more than two, you have to be licensed as a professional fiduciary, but you can do one. And so uh, I'll let you guys know how that goes uh, in the future. Right. Well, one, one of the also the issues being a, a professional fiduciary that that's your, you know, your on your business card, so to speak, is that there it is regulated. You have to, I think, have a significant amount of money in the bank uh, that you have to show you. I think it's like half a million dollars that is just you have to just have sitting there. So, uh, you know, if a one person operation, that's a that's a pretty daunting hurdle to get over, whereas a a company can set aside that half million dollars and just keep it keep in a reserve and not have to touch it so it's it's that that is one of the this frankly one of the issues that uh i i looked at in terms of being a professional fiduciary can't you be bonded um from what i understand you you probably can and, and the way it works i think if i'm correct is that you can get you you go to the easiest state you don't even have to live there the easiest state in terms of getting uh certified and then you can get reciprocity with other states I think Nevada might be uh said like I, said, I did some very cursory research into it a number of months ago but never haven't pursued it yet yeah it's an interesting area Stuart thank you so much appreciate bringing that up thank you um okay so I think we're coming about the at the hour here unless anybody else that I know uh, whose video is on uh, and I name recognize has a question. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, somebody mentioned on Facebook that they had a, a complex estate where the nature of the particular group of people, they found 11 siblings. I've seen those cases in multiple different um, uh, ethnic or uh, uh, religious subgroups. I've seen 11 or 15 uh siblings uh several times and so there's a lot more paperwork and 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 often infighting you can have 10 people on board if you have one sibling that's a problem the whole thing kind of comes to a grinding halt and uh, can be litigated so those are challenging but the challenge that michael has is if you uncover that you're obligated to bring that information forward uh so uh, something we have to deal with but definitely the more siblings two things are true in probate michael true or false the more siblings, the more problems, all things equal. And second, the longer it goes, the more problems. Um, yeah, so obviously I think with with any uh, any group dynamic, the more people you have, the more potential there is for conflict. I know Lena you know, as an entrepreneur, I know, but I, I remember reading this, you know, when I had one employee, there was only one relationship there. <laughs> but, but when you have, when I add a second employee, now i've got if i remember correctly there are four relation there are was it three different relationships and it, it, each person grows you have the, the exponential growth of mm -hmm. interlocking relationships mm -hmm. uh so yes there's definitely the potential for it um i'd say in terms of a an estate going on longer i think it's more the inverse that states go longer because you have because you have fighting more than you have fighting because the states go on longer yes there are those cases where a state drags on too long and everybody else gets mad at that one person in the family who's who's the executor who everybody else thinks is dragging his feet or enriching himself by uh, because there are some states where an executor can charge by the hour for the work they do and will therefore just keep dragging it out um that so uh yeah the longer it takes it can definitely breed discontent 
Well, that said, I appreciate everybody participating. Uh, Michael, I really appreciate time with you. It's always you know, fun and uh, educational and appreciate you helping me on this case. Hopefully it's the first of many we can continue to work on Hopefully, together. Yes. Uh, thanks so much. Have a great holiday and, and thank you for being with us today. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. This is the last podcast, obviously, of the year. We do probate weekly every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We also live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. If you watch it there and you like it, like it, subscribe to it, put comments there. If you're live, we'll respond to comments live. If you uh, come in afterwards, well, I'll pick up those comments and either I'll answer them or forward them to the <laughs> guests as well. But love to have you participate there. I just want to say as we rack up, rack up, wrap up the year, it's just been an amazing opportunity for me to build this. You know, I started uh, a couple years ago, we did conference calls and then we moved to Zoom calls. Uh, and then we moved to this format and live streaming it. And it has been life-changing in so many ways, positive. It's been a pleasure, educational ride. Uh, it's been uh, great for business, a lot of freedom uh, in terms of my business. So I just want to thank all those of you for watching this. If you're a first-time person, thank you for coming in. Come back. If you're a long-time supporter, like some of you are, thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate this. Uh, free resources, you can go to probateweekly.com and join on the Zoom call directly and register if you'd like to. We do it every Thursday at four. On Facebook, Probate Experts is our group. We have 2,000 members there. You can ask questions and post. And Michael, I'd love to have you post your content in our probate group there and maybe get some business out of that, probateexperts.com. Uh, and then um, uh, that's it. I put Michael's information in the chat box. I'm on social media at Bill Gross EXP. Thank you all so much. appreciate you. Have a happy new year. We'll see you next year. Bye-bye.